World famous Anik Singhal will give us his story and his journey to selling hundreds of millions of dollars and give us insights on what he thinks the future holds for Amazon sellers, entrepreneurs, and a new word for me, intrapreneurs. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Serious Sellers Podcast. I am your host, Bradley Sutton. I'm very, very honored today to have Anik Sengal with me today. Anik, how's it going? It's going well, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. For those of you all out there who don't know Mr. Sengal, he is one of the foremost experts on being an entrepreneur out there, and he has hundreds of thousands of students that he has helped teach, and he's made hundreds of millions of dollars and very honored to be able to pick his brain a little bit over the next few minutes here to see what can help the rest of us who are trying to maybe become an entrepreneur on Amazon. Because while Nick's background is not on Amazon, there's a lot of the principles that can be applied. And so first of all, for those who don't know your story, it's an amazing story. Could you let us know how you started, especially how you started from $100 to your name to basically you know becoming a multimillionaire losing it all again, getting it back. It's a great story. I'd love to hear from your mouth. Yeah, man, that depends. Um, that depends on how long we've got. So I'm going to turn the timer on here because otherwise I go way too long. So I got started when I was in college and here's the deal. I had a bit of an entrepreneur in me. Well, a lot of entrepreneur in me since a very young age, but I'm Indian. So really everyone around me who was wealthy, who drove nice cars, owned big homes, they are what? A doctor, right? So I just, I, lo- I looked up to one of my cousins and I just wanted to have what he had and he was a doctor. So I thought, well, I'll be a doctor. So even though I had that very successful entrepreneurial venture in, venture in third grade as the neighborhood lemonade stand, I let it all go. And I went and studied really hard, got great grades, got into an amazing university, full ride, full scholarship, pre-med, all set. I was going to go, I mean, I was on a one-way ticket to Ivy League med school and, um, I was just like a few days into school, literally a few days into freshman year, first semester, my eyes opened and I said, uh-oh, what have I done? Like, I'm miserable. I don't want to do this. I can't get up and go to another bio class and no disrespect for doctors at all. They've saved my life many times. My family's full of them. I love them, but it just wasn't for me. Now, what am I going to do? It's too late. And uh, so I tried to just go through with it. And until sophomore year, I remember a moment when my friend she would, we were doing study hall and we're just studying together. And she just closed my book and she said, that's it. Get out of here. I said, what do you mean? She's like, go home, talk to your parents. Like, I don't want to, what are you talking about? She goes, you're miserable. I can't take watching you this way anymore. So I remember that night, you know, I drove home and talked to my parents. They were so amazing. They didn't agree with me, but they said they'll support me. And that was a huge thing. And I don't know, man, I just switched. I just did it. It was really difficult. I lost my full scholarship. My parents had to step up and pay for university, pay for everything. They're amazing. They did it. I moved to a different university. I joined the business program, super excited. Finally, I feel like, oh, I'm vindicated. This is what I want. I get like a week into business classes and I, I got a feeling come back. I'm like, oh crap, I hate this too. And I remember just <laughs> how petrifying that was because I thought I'm destined to be a college dropout. Like that was gonna live in my parents' basement and I was so worried. So I, I said, well, what do I really want? And I said, man, I don't want all this theory and classes. I want to go do Like, I want to actually go do something. I'm sitting here learning and everyone's so excited about getting a job that'll pay them, you know, 30 grand or whatever a year. Like, I don't want that. I want to do, I just want to do something now. And so I turned to Google and I typed in the following words. I said, how to make money, right? Most cliche thing I could have done. And then Google does auto suggest and says online. And I'm like, 
okay, why? Sure not. What? Why not? Like, okay. So I click on that and it led me to this journey for 18 months of just nonsense. I went through one thing after another. I don't even know why or how I made it through that 18 months. That Were was, you still in school during this time or did you drop out? No, 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 no. I got to drop out. My parents would have killed me. Uh, I stayed in school. <laughs> um, school was back up. I was not, you know what? I wasn't just in school, man. I actually took a job as a financial planner. Um, I was working a job about 20 to 30 hours a week. I was taking a full load of classes and I was researching how to start my business online. So I was sleeping about five hours a night tops. I was not going to happy hours. I was not going to parties. None of that. I was legit just hustling. All right. At 18 months, I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried, I failed, I failed. I don't know what got me through. It was something divine that got me through. I don't know what it was. And finally, I had a moment where, you know, I had saw some success. I had that one night where someone actually helped me and I was about to quit. I was literally at my quitting point and that was my last night. If I don't, this doesn't work, I'm done. I'm going to go get myself a good job or something. And uh, that night I made 300 bucks while I slept. And that was the most life-changing moment of my life. Um, and that was it. It saved me from having to quit. After that, I started to grow. Even though I was still in college, I did graduate. I got my degree. My grade, my grade slipped a ton the last year because I was making money. I was busy building a business. By the time I graduated, my business was doing over a half a million a year. My own father said to me when I went, and I had great job offers, by the way. I had all these awesome Wall Street job offers. My dad said, don't take a single one of them. Don't do it you know, do what you're doing. And I grew that. I got into an incubator program and, and I, I started doing more and more and more digital marketing, digital publishing. I was climbing the ranks. And before I knew it, I had 96 employees. I had a 10 million a year business. I had three offices worldwide. It was like the, 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 the dream, right? The story, the, I want to be an entrepreneur magazine's cover story. And, uh, 2008 happens. The market collapses, everything folds. And nothing happened to our industry. So I'm like, oh, wow, keep going in, double down, keep building, keep growing. By 2010, it was like a late impact on our industry in the digital publishing entrepreneurship world. Man, I fell apart. I mean, it was crazy. I had such a high burn rate. Next thing I knew, I'm not even joking. I went from making millions, traveling first class, speaking in, you know, on stage for Tony Robbins to $1.7 million in debt. My parents had to mortgage their home for me. I owed Amex, Visa, local bank. I owed my best friend his entire life savings. I took money from everybody. And it was the worst time in my life. I would not wish that time upon my worst enemy. It was that bad. I got very ill, started having internal bleeding. I just I started drinking. I mean, I'm telling you, it was a Hollywood moment, man. I've actually had that moment one night where people would be hounding me for money. I escaped. I went to a local little motel in Goa, India. Nobody knew where I was. I'm not even joking. This was an actual Hollywood moment. I had a bottle of whiskey in the corner of a motel. I was lying there on the floor and it was thundering and storming outside. Like how much more filmy can you get? And that was my yeah. life. That's what it had become. And so I had this moment where my lawyers told me like, hey man, that's it. Like declare bankruptcy. It's time to call it quits. You, you can't get out of this. And, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, who am I going to tell? Who am I going to declare bankruptcy to? Like my parents, they, they, they spent their yeah. life paying their home off and now their home is on the line because of me. Nuh-uh, not happening. So as bad as it was, my, my, my sense of accountability to those who had put themselves on the line for me held me strong. And I just went back to the basics. I remember that one night where I was closing down my final office. It was one of the saddest moments. I'd built that place with my hands. And it was the last night. My parents helped me move out. I told them, listen, can you just leave me here alone for a few hours? Like I just want to kind of be alone in the place before I give the keys over. Nine o'clock at night. And I just hit the whiteboard. 
I had a big whiteboard wall in front of me. I just said, what went wrong? I got to figure this out. And I just had a beautiful mind moment, man. I'm writing all over the wall everywhere. And finally, I stepped back and looked at it. I'm like, that's... That sounds like another movie Hollywood moment right there. The the mad professor has almost gone crazy and they're just scribbling nonsense on the walls. Yes, yes. And it looked like that. If you saw it the next day, it was three hours of scribbling. I didn't get home until like 1, 1.30 at night that night. And I discovered some of the most basics of basics that I had walked away from. And that night, I made a decision not declaring bankruptcy, not giving up. I'm fixing this. So I went from a team of 96 to six people. I went back to the basics. And you know what? I'll just shortcut this. It was quite the ride. But 16 months later, I was back on top. I paid everybody every penny back with interest. And I was back on top. And that was when, when when I got done paying my last debt. I remember that moment when I actually issued the last check. I said to myself, okay, now I get to build a new me. I get to determine why I fell into where I fell into. What were the mistakes I made? Who am I? <laughs> Literally, like that question, like, who am I? What am I? What am I doing? What is the business I'm building? And that was where Learn was born. I figured out what my mission was, what I wanted to do. And, and I've been working on it ever since then and, and been blessed. And the business is booming and everything is growing. And I'm surrounded by amazing people. And now I'm here with you. Awesome. Now, now did you completely pivot away from what had made you your initial millions was it completely different, you know, what you've been doing since then? Or did you just have to kind of tweak a little bit here or there? You know, it's funny. So I went back to the basics. <laughs> I went back to digital publishing the way I had done it to get up to 10 million a year in business. And what had happened when I hit that 10 million in business, right, is we get bright eyed, bushy tailed. We get the golden touch complex, especially when you're that young, that successful. So I thought everything I touch, everything I do, bam, it'll be successful. So I started trying to build this educational platform. When I don't know a darn thing about technology, I don't know a darn thing about coding. I don't know anything about that kind of business. My business was so different, but I thought, whatever, throw money at it, hire people. That's, that's how I got to 96 people in three offices worldwide. And so I had deviated completely away from that, which was working. And so many of us do this. In an attempt to scale, we start to diversify. While we diversify, we stretch ourselves too thin. While we do that, we add on new projects that are exciting, that are impulse driven, but that we have no back history on or know anything about. And those projects take time away from the core business that got us to where we are to begin with. And so I went back to that core business and I went back to it with the right heart, the right mind, with the right goals, not money driven, but driven about service and helping people and actually putting out good products. And the rest kind of seemed to take care of itself. So yeah, till this day, I'm focused on the basics, but you know what? Now, today, I have my educational platform. It's an evolved idea from what it was eight, nine years ago, but I have it. It's done. And even now, I'm slowly pivoting my business model over to it. As I collect data, as I learn, I'm not going to just rip up what worked and has been working to go run after this new dream. I'm doing it safely and I'm doing it smartly. And it's been, it's been tough. It's been a challenge, but it hasn't been life-threatening. Yeah. No, no more sitting in the corner of a hotel with a, some whiskey getting, you know, no movie moments like that anymore. I, I take it. Uh, no, not at all. Not, not at all. Not, not even, now, not now even with my friends now it's on bottle a, service. not even with my friends on a night out. <laughs> None of that. Now. Okay. There you go. All right. Now, now here's a question. You've tasted success, you know, twice, you know, once, you know, it looks like the mid mid to late 2000s. And and again, this decade, what do you see as far as from those times to, to this time, as far as are there things that are still working? Like obviously markets change, needs, customer behaviors change, but what 
in your experience, has been a, a few of the constants, either positive or negative, as far as what entrepreneurs can look out for? Sure. Okay. So there, there's a lot of difference, actually, from even 10 years ago to today. First of all, the level of competitiveness in almost anything you're doing, your competition is through the roof. And it's making you really level up your game. You can't just exist anymore, right? Same thing on Amazon, right? If you launched a product on Amazon seven, six, seven, eight years ago, you could just put it up. And that was probably enough marketing. You know, if good product, put it up. Good rankings kind of come on their own. I remember because I had put up products back then. But today, you can't do that. You got to be strategic. So that's the first thing is today, you know, some of the old cliche advice still applies, but like, you know, serve, know your mission, drive value. This is all important, but you got to layer a whole nother level of strategy on top of it. So I find myself, my role now as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, I spend 90% of my time strategizing than I ever do executing, which is, which is cool, which is fun, but you know, I'm a better executor. I love doing digital marketing. I love building businesses, but you can't skip or ignore strategy. You can't just come out with something anymore and put it up and think people will find it. It doesn't work. The second big thing that's changing that everyone's got to learn and adapt to is we have so many more tools and software. Look at Helium 10, for example. This didn't exist 10 years ago. Now, if you're trying to sell on Amazon and you're not using the tools that your competition is using, if you're not using the automation that your competition is using, you're going to lose. So that gets part of the strategy, right? What are all the different tools, automation, communication tools that you could be using with your customers? They're highly, highly, highly important now. And the last but not least, this is a big change, actually, from again, 10 years ago to today. Just because you got a customer doesn't mean you have a customer. So you can get customers, you can, you can convince someone to buy something from you once, but man, customers are bouncing ship left, right, front and back. How are you going to keep them? How are you going to serve them? What are your other product offerings? And that leads into probably the next big thing that's changed. If you're someone who's going to be building business right now, and you're going to be acquiring traffic, you're going to be doing content marketing, you're going to do pay-per-click, you're going to do digital, you know, display advertising, YouTube advertising. Well, you're playing in that competition field. What's happening is the cost of advertising is getting bid up to such a degree that it is true economics 101, supply and demand. And what's happening is you're not going to make a profit in most cases on the upfront. You just aren't. Not, not at scale. You're going to have to be willing to bleed money up front. So this concept I've been teaching my students now for almost five years of loss leader is highly, 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 highly important. And most businesses never think about that. So it's not important. It's not enough to just have one. Uh, it's not enough to just have one product. It's not enough to just have two. It's not enough to just have a low ticket or a mid ticket. You got to really think through your offerings and you got to start thinking in lifetime value, 30, 60, 90 day. What can you bleed? How long can you go? What's your cash flow? That's where the strategy comes in. And I'm telling you, even the smallest of smallest internet businesses now have to understand, learn and and build their business with these things in mind. And 10 years ago, it, you could, well, I mean, I did, right? I didn't understand any of this stuff and I was making millions. So those are a lot of, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I, I think those are very important that people, you know, need to know about, you know, things, you know, even on Amazon, you know, five, six years ago, there was no tools like Helium 10, but you could still, you know, make a lot of money. Now it's kind of hard to do it without the tools. Everybody else is using the tools. But so these are some of the things that you've seen definitely have changed in the last 10 years, but what are maybe a couple of the constants that not only were, you know, were important 10 years ago, important today, but you see as 10 years from now, it's still going to be something that's important. So some of the constants that, refer, that, that are always going to remain, um, that were important for me, at least in my business 10 years ago to today, uh, something like a funnel, 
Um, you know, even if you're selling on Amazon, like thinking through the different products, how many products you have and how many times can you dip into that customer? That was, I mean, that was a big part of why I grew so fast 10 years ago. And it's a huge part of why I sustained today, uh, customer acquisition model. Uh, that was a little bit, okay. It was still important 10 years ago. It was just easier today. It's a little bit harder, but it's, it's even more important than ever again, ever before. But that that's a constant remain. What are you going to do to attract your customers? Uh, customer communication right? What is your communication channels? Well, how are you actually engaging with and communicating with your customers? And then the last piece that I think has remained very constant that a lot of people never talk about because it's not sexy to talk about it. But one of the areas where when people ask me, Anik, what do you think has really led to your, what, what, what are some of the things that have led to your success or some of the core things you think that are the reason why you've had so much success? I learn really, really fast. I think the name of my company, Learn, isn't an irony is probably by subconscious design. I learn really quick. I'm always learning. Last night, I couldn't sleep. So instead of turning around and watching TV, I, I picked up my phone and I said, you know what? I need to learn more about artificial intelligence. I'm behind. So I started reading two hours of binge reading blog posts on artificial intelligence. And I can tell you right now, you could put me in a room of people and I don't know enough about it, but I could probably carry my weight. It's because of the way I learn things. So t- 10 years ago, that's what I was doing. That's why I was getting ahead. I was always out there learning. I was ahead of the market and I'm still, I'm not as ahead today as I was back then because I get bogged down with some of the operations of the business, but I'm getting back to that. That's still a constant. Um, when you talk about the core belief pattern of how are you serving your customers? What, why are why do you exist? I know this sounds so cliche, but let me ask everyone listening right now. Can you just please tell me this? Why do you exist? Is it, do you really exist because you want to spell, you know, you want to sell that spatula on Amazon? Is that, is that your core existence? Is that why you're here? Because I'll tell you right now, you won't make it long. Guarantee you, you won't make it long because something's going to happen. So why do you exist? What do you, what are you doing? What's your business? What are you serving? What's your mission? What's your why? I didn't have it 10 years ago. And I can tell you right now, that's why I fell apart. That's why I was $1.7 million in debt. I have it today. I mean, my, it oozes out of me. You can't spend more than an hour with me without like me saying it. And, and I wish I had it back then, but that's a constant. That was probably there a hundred years ago, just as much as it is today. The challenge though, right, is Microsoft did a study in 2015 and found that the average attention span of a human being has now gone down to eight seconds. Eight seconds, that's less than of a goldfish, which is nine. So what's happening now is that it's, we might all think we have and know our why, but my question is, are you holding on to it? Because there's so many distractions in your life. We are so much more connected. Facebook, Twitter, Yahoo. I mean, not Yahoo, but like who uses Yahoo anymore? Facebook, uh, Twitter, <laughs> you know, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, YouTube. I'm like, this. Uh, Joe's here making signals at me. I'm like, what are you doing? It starts with a Y. Yeah. He, he keeps doing the Y sign. I'm like, YMCA? Like, what are you up to, man? All right. Basically, <laughs> bottom line is this, right? We are so much more connected. We have so much more noise. We have so many more people bringing opportunities to us. And we love opportunities, right? Entrepreneurs are like, I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. Yeah. You got to learn to say no. So the thing is like, you got to know your why. That's been a, that's been a constant, but it's so hard. What's your, what's your why? My why, I have, I have two of them. All right. My first why is I want to empower 1 million entrepreneurs to build a successful business. Now, let me explain to you why, because I want to change the world. I want to die. And I want to know the day I die that I changed the world. I mean it. I want the world to be revolving differently because I existed on this planet, but it's so hard to do that. If I do it 
myself. It's damn near impossible. So what do I do? I can go out and build a million, million entrepreneur army. I can impact a million entrepreneurs who can go on and impact the world. That's easy, right? If a million people working together towards one mission, we will impact the world. You can't not impact the world. So I want to, I want to be there to inspire, empower, and connect a million entrepreneurs. The other mission that I have that I work towards every day with my wife that just means the world to me is I want to take a million children before I die. I want to know a million children in this world who live in underprivileged areas, got an education, received an education. Thanks to the work or thanks to something I had done. That doesn't mean like they went to one of my schools. Maybe I gave a talk somewhere and it inspired someone else to go build the school, whatever it is. But we do build schools. My wife and I, we build schools in in the slums of India. We have seven schools now. We're serving over 800 children and we're getting there. We're going to get there one one kid at a time. And you know what? Here's what happens Um, when I wake up in the morning, right? Here's the deal. I'm very well off. I am wealthy right now. I, I have my dream home. I have my dream cars. I even have Joe's dream car. Uh, I have, you know, um, he said that was a low blow. Um, I have the dream woman. I married, you know, the most perfect woman in the world. I, I have an amazing family. I have everything. So I could wake up tomorrow morning and just say, nah, I'm good. I don't need all this stress. Why do I need to do this podcast? Why do I need to get up? Why do I need to go deal with all the stress? I get up and do that because for every day or every hour that I sleep in, there is at least one or two or three or four or 10 people in the world that didn't get what they were going to get in their life because I was too lazy to get out of bed. And man, I'm telling you, when your why goes that deep, you just can't help but make something happen. Yeah, it's a great motivation. You mentioned just, you know, a couple minutes ago about last night, you wanted to, you know, study up on AI that, that made me think of something. So, you know, we talked about, you know, what's changed before, what stayed the same, but what about, you know, over the last 10 years, but what about the next five years or so? What's, what's next? In other words, like what, what do you see as some trends or what does the future hold for e-commerce or marketing? Is AI a, a big factor in it or what else? It's huge, huge, such a huge factor. As of the two hours of research I did last night, I've already determined my next company after learn has to do something with AI because I can't be left behind. It's almost downright creepy. I'll tell you when I got really interested in AI and then I'll explain to you how I think it's going to impact over the next few years. So I built this platform, right? It's an entrepreneur's platform. We have a quarter million members in it. We got like over 70 courses in there and it's getting a little bit overwhelming. It's like, how do we know what to send to who and who wants what and all of this? And, you know, for the last year or so, people would be like, AI, AI. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Right? Okay, fine, whatever. Ignore them, right? Well, a week ago, I went and Googled something. And I was researching, I, I can't remember the topic now, but I remember the creepy thing that happened the next day. So I'm, I'm Googling something, I'm researching something, and I must've been clicking links. I don't know what I clicked. The next day, I get an email from Quora, and it said, still interest, still, it was either still looking for or still interested in, and it had my search, like actual search embedded there. I, I, I cannot tell you, my heart stopped and I stared at my phone And on one side, I was so excited because actually I was still looking for that. And actually, Quora had a great link in the email. And I was very excited that they had delivered that to me. On the other side, I was freaking scared. Like, this is frightening. (laughs) You know, I go to Amazon. I get emails from Amazon. And it's almost uncanny how they time things. You know, there's things that I bought 30 days ago that Amazon just knows this would be up for reorder, you know, about this many days. And they, they message me. I buy a book 
and they message me the next book and how many times have I bought more books because they were spot on. It has become crazy. You know, I, I sit and I watch, uh, we have chatbot sequences. We're using many chat and I'll sit and watch sometimes it's kind of creeper, but just sit and watch people communicating with it. I mean, they're having a live conversation. They, it's crazy. We had someone- They don't even know that they're talking to a bot. They don't even know. And we had someone walk into the learn, our Learn Center here, our facility for entrepreneurs. Someone walked in yesterday, literally walked in and said, um, I'm here for Onik. And the, I mean, you know, of course, my assistant happened to come in. She's like, what do you mean you're here for Onik? I don't see you on calendar. Who are you? Whatever. And he's like, no, I got a message from Onik. He asked me to come in. And we could not figure it out until all of a sudden one of our team members was, wait, we have a chatbot sequence that says something like what he just said. And we checked in it. Surely enough, it was a chatbot sequence. And it's, it just blew me away. And as I was researching this, man, here's what's going to happen I, I, uh, yesterday. So here's what I saw. Uh, Lowe's. I don't know if you know that's a home, home department store. Yeah, uh, we got that out here too. Yeah. So Lowe's like a Home Depot type of store. They just, they just initiated their first, what they call Lowbot. It's in um, San Jose. And it is a automated employee. It walks around the entire place. It knows where every single item to the barcode is. Like how, what human in the world will ever be able to, to do that? And every night it re-indexes all items. So at night it walks around and it recategorizes the entire store. So if you moved something throughout the day, it catches it at night and remaps the next day. You walk up to it, it talks to you, you say, I need screws. And it has a screen and it brings up things. I mean, what the heck? That's amazing. Yeah, crazy. Then I was researching more like how is e-commerce going to get impacted? Uh, Target made a deal with Pinterest. I don't even know this where um, now if you have an image on Pinterest and you want to find a product like it on Target, you click something and pops up the Target website and they show you all the things that are similar to it. There's image reading, voice recognition, there's chat recognition, there is um, the, the whole predicting, right? Modeling people. Just look at what Facebook is doing when we build a lookalike audience inside of a Facebook ad campaign. That is artificial intelligence at the upteenth level. No one talks about it as AI, but it is. It's complete AI. It's creepy AI because it's compiling tons of data and predicting who, and those are our best audiences, our rerun ads to those lookalikes and they're the best. And so I believe, I don't think we're going to lose humans altogether. Okay. So I, I'm not like quite there on that conspiracy theory side yet, but I will tell you that the consumer will win. I'm telling you this, the consumer is going to mm -hmm. get faster service, better service. They're going to get what they want. They're going to get quicker. Our attention spans will go from eight to six seconds, but we're just going to get in this place where, you know, we can do what we want. I don't, did you see that uh, Google released this? The CEO of Google did this and it was absolutely amazing. It went viral on Facebook where a automated voice, it's a, it's a virtual, it's an automated assistant, AI assistant. He asks it to call and make a haircut appointment or a dinner reservation. Yes. Yes. I saw that. I thought I was like, is this real? I was like, this cannot be real. I mean, this, it's happening. That blew my mind. It's actually happening. So for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, there's a live conversation. He says, hey, I want to get a haircut tomorrow. Can you call blah, 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 make an appointment? And this thing calls the number. A live human picks up on the other side and it, the voice says, I need to make an appointment with so-and-so tomorrow. And the other person says, well, what time? Well, between three and five. And it's like, well, we have a, we only have a 515 or a 415. I don't remember the exact ones, but it's like, okay, sure. What's your name? My, uh, I'm, I'm calling for my boss. It's blue, blue, blue. Gives all, okay, great. It's confirmed. 
And then it sends a text message to its to the person who asked for the appointment. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, like how much yeah. easier can life be if I, all I had to do was an audio recording said, make me an appointment to this. And it just started doing it. It's, it, it is, it, this is where we're going. I mean, search is going to become automated. I mean, I made a list of 18 things. It's literally 18 things that we can implement in our platform with AI and uh, that we get to work towards. And it is just going to make the experience of our members 10 times better. So I'm still on the side where AI is amazing. I see all the benefits. Haven't quite seen the part where robots take over yet, but you know, let's see, give me a few more days. Yeah, we're not exactly at Terminator level or iRobot. Hey, <laughs> you never know. Just switching gears a little bit, being an entrepreneur, I've heard both sides of the argument before. I'm curious to see what your take on it. Is it something that needs to be in your DNA? Does it take a certain kind of person to have that entrepreneurial mindset or can someone learn to be a successful entrepreneur? You know, that's a really good question. So I answered this when I wrote my book, Escape. I created this quiz, okay? And um, you go through, it's about 20 minutes. You answer a bunch of questions. And at the end, it gives you what we call an E-score. Your E-score is rated on zero to 100. And uh, it tells you, basically converts into a percentage. And it tells you how likely you are to, to succeed as an entrepreneur. And what I say is like, if you get a 25, you're basically 25% likely to succeed as an entrepreneur. So ideally, it's probably not the best course of a career for you. And that E-score is determined quite a bit by who you are, how you think. And those are a lot of times, those are coded things in your, not DNA, but in your psyche. They're developed by the time you were 12 years old and they are what they are. And until you go through a clinically you know, crazy event in your life, you may not change that. But that doesn't mean that you can't be an entrepreneur. So here's the deal. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm a pretty hardworking guy. I'm smart and I'm hardworking and I'm usually willing to put in whatever hours are needed. If I wanted to be a physicist, I believe that I could do it. It would take me very long. I probably wouldn't be the best by far. I ain't going to win no Nobel Prize most likely, but I could do it. I could probably get to a point where I could make my way around a lab and be a physicist, but it's going to take me forever and I'm going to hate it and it's going to suck and I'm not going to be the best. So should I be a physicist or could I be a physicist? There are two different questions. And so I think the question is, can entrepreneurship be taught? Can anyone be an entrepreneur? I think so. Yes. Now there's many kinds of entrepreneurs. There's a solopreneur, there's a, a contractor, there's a consultant, and then there's the guy who goes out and builds the next Facebook or next Google, right? And even in those stories, most of the time, you will see different management, different skill sets, different people come in at different stages of those companies. So the real question to ask is, do you want it bad enough? If it's not naturally your inclination, are you willing to put in the extra work or would you perhaps be happier and more successful as an intrapreneur? That's another big term that we talk a lot about. An intrapreneur is something like every single one of us who works here at Learn. You know, we're entrepreneurs because at Learn, you get to kind of own your own little department and you get to run that department. You get to be the leader of it. And so you have the freedom and you have this, you know, the, the fun part of being an entrepreneur, but you're doing it under the umbrella of a larger organization that supports you from HR and funding. And you don't have to deal with all that operational mess. So there's this, this whole world right now that's just blossoming. For example, I bet you didn't know this. The Sony PlayStation was invented by an entrepreneur. Google Gmail, hmm. invented by an entrepreneur. AdSense, invented by an entrepreneur. The like button on Facebook, invented by an entrepreneur. 
Most people don't realize this. That's why these Silicon Valley companies now, they're moving towards making all of their employees entrepreneurs. Google gives you 20% of your time to do whatever the heck you want. It's just, it's owned by Google. Whatever you create, it's owned by Google, but you can do whatever you want. You can work on anything you want because they want you to be an entrepreneur. So I think I gave a very long answer to a very short question. I think anyone can be an entrepreneur. It's what type of entrepreneur and how much work are you going to put into it? And the real question should be, I mean, do you want to be an entrepreneur? Is it the right step for you? It's not the right step for everybody. That's for sure. It's, it's not right for everybody. Great. I mean, that, that was a great answer. I think I learned a lot. I even learned a new vocabulary word, entrepreneur. That's something I could say that I've never heard before. Now, along the same lines, another question for you. For entrepreneurs, the kind of you know, standard uh, suggestion is, hey, do what you're passionate about or what's your passion? You're going to excel at it. You know, like your passion is you, you want to help, you know, to teach entrepreneurs. And so, you know, learn is obviously a great outlet for you to achieve that, you know, that passion, right? But a lot of our listeners, they're Amazon sellers. And it's a different story with Amazon. You know, you, you could be completely passionate about iPhone cases, but you would completely fail if that's what you try to do because your passion doesn't mean anything because there's so much competition that is not something great to sell on Amazon. At the same time, you know, five years ago, garlic presses was like, you know, the cliche thing that you can make, you know, millions of dollars on. But I guarantee you, nobody selling garlic presses could say before then, oh, my passion is garlic presses. I live and breathe garlic presses. And that's why they were successful. So my question is then for like an Amazon seller, where you have to go into different niches that you may not even know anything about, let alone be passionate about, how can you be successful selling something or in a niche that you really don't have that fire or that passion for? Man, you're asking some good questions. I'm going to have a long answer for this one too, because this is I, I'm very passionate about Take this your question. Love it. Um, all right. I can tell you right now, most very successful. Okay. So it's very, very, very politically correct to say, do your passion, do what you're passionate about. You got to do your, okay, but we're not going to be politically correct because that's crap. So I don't care for that. Um, <laughs> every major successful entrepreneur that you talk to, I'm going to say like not every, 95%, ask them what their first venture was and ask them their level of passion for that venture. And I, I could tell you right now, most of them will be like, I don't know, just did it to get something going, you know? And so my first, first successful venture, I was selling as an affiliate, a black hat, software for SEO that, you know, was wrong. <laughs> it was, I mean, it worked. It was great. <laughs> but I knew innately that in a few months from now, like Google would catch on. Unfortunately, we're not smarter than the, you know, thousand PhDs that they hire. And I wasn't passionate about it, but I, it, it made me my first money. And then it allowed me to do the next thing. And then the next thing, and then there was a point at which I became an SEO consultant. I wasn't passionate about it, but I made really good money. And at one point, it allowed me to have enough funding to go off and do the next thing. And so it was a long journey to where I got to learn where now, yeah, passion. I'm passionate. But I got a bank account that allows me to support that passion. I can come in and take some risks and do something crazy. I can have my friends look at me and say, are you nuts? And it's like, yeah, I am. But worst case scenario for me, I'll be all right. So when it comes to the Amazon seller example that you used, I will tell you a exact conversation I had with my one of my best friends yesterday. He's not an Amazon seller, but he's very, very successful Shopify seller. And we had this conversation because he's stretched way too thin. He's doing seven things and he started to have that kind of losing that, losing that love affair with his business. And he said, what do I do? How to help me, you know? And I started asking him questions. I said, well, what about this thing? What about this thing? What about this thing? And then when I got to his store, his Shopify store. He, I'm, I'm telling you, his voice went, 
Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite parts of my day. And I said, are you serious? Do you really not see where your focus and time should be going? And he said, I guess. Now, the thing is, he sells, I don't want to give away his product, but he sells, let's just put it this way, a product that he doesn't even use or couldn't, couldn't even use. Okay. It's not even for him. Okay. It, it's, it's nothing to do with him. And it, I, he's not passionate about it. But you know what he's passionate about? He's passionate about the process of building the store. He's passionate about the process it takes to get that product to rank really well and sell like crazy on Facebook ads. He's passionate about the idea of this birthing process of having nothing become something that he could sell for a few million dollars. He's already started having offers coming in. He's passionate about mastering and tracking and learning advertising and ROI and always staying ahead of it and researching it and learning it. So he's passionate about the process behind it and the product doesn't necessarily have to be the passion, but I know him and I know what's going to eventually happen is the skill sets he's learning while he's developing this store are going to eventually be applied at some point in his life towards something he's deeply passionate about, whether it be a nonprofit project or whether it be a big business he wants to launch. And I think the same thing for most people that are selling on Amazon. My first product I sold on Amazon, I could tell now because it's a complete, like, don't even try to go into this space, was an HD antenna. All right. Who even uses that? When I, when I started selling this thing, I'm like, what the heck? Where, what part of the country are people still using antennas on top of their TV? But it sold like crazy. So what did I do? I sold more of it. I wasn't passionate about it, but you know what I was passionate about? I was passionate about learning how to do an Amazon business so that I could teach my students. I was passionate about testing the idea so that I could say with full confidence that it works. And then when the product didn't sell anymore because Amazon decided to release their own brand and put it right above mine, um, I walked away and said, whatever. And then I launched the next product, which I also wasn't passionate about because it was silicon baking mats and I don't bake. But again, you know, and by the way, if you're thinking I'm releasing golden nuggets on you, do not go compete in these spaces because they're completely annihilated now. But um I, it was, I loved the process, man. I loved the process of negotiating with a seller in China and learning something there. And I loved the process of figuring out how it's going to get shipped here. I loved the process of figuring out how to get labels put on it for FBA because it was new and I can talk about it now, right? I made a movie in my life once. You can go to YouTube and type in Lethal Commission. You'll see an actual James Bond spoof film with a proper film crew. We did the stunt scenes. I actually did the scene where I blow up a car while I'm walking away. I mean, it blew up behind me. It was awesome. It was one of the most epic, you know, two weeks of filming in my life. And then it's listed on IMDb. I'm considered a producer actor now. And it was the most diabolical failure as a marketing test. I mean, it was a total wash. Didn't work at all. But it was one of my favorite moments of my life because I learned so much from it. So I wasn't passionate about the movie. Come on, I made a spoof of freaking Casino Royale. How good was it going to really be? Um, but, I, but man, I think about the time that in 30 years from now or 40 years from now, I sit with my grandkids and I tell them about the time their grandpa made a movie and I can talk effectively about how films are made. You know, so passion, it doesn't have to be the product. Think 10 levels deeper, find the process, the part, the mission. There's got to be something. And as long as what you're doing can connect back to it and help fuel it, you'll always have the energy and fuel you need to move forward. It, it kind of what you said. Uh, I don't know why my brain thinks like this, but it, it made me think of the saying, uh, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah. But then it's like opposite. It's like, don't love the product love the game, you know, love the process and be passionate about the process as opposed to getting married to a certain product. And then sounds like that's, that's the secret to success, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, one last question. We've already gone way over time than we usually do, but I'm just so engrossed in this conversation. I don't want it to end, but you know, on uh, learn.com for years, you guys have had courses on anything from, you know, Facebook marketing to building lists and funnels. And now just now in the last you know month or so, you decided to start, you know, teaching people about Amazon with actually a mutual friend of both of ours, Dave Kettner. And so my question is why now? Like wh- why did you wait until now or what did anything inspire you to say, Hey, we need to, we need to start, you know, going into Amazon because some people might say, well, it's kind of late, you know, isn't it? But why now? Sure. So, um, so first of all, yeah, we do have tons of amazing courses at learn.com. It's spelled L U R N.com and, and it's free to join, uh, just go there and sign up. We're, we have 252,000 people now that are in it. I mean, it's awesome. We're building the greatest entrepreneurial community in the world. You know, the funniest answer to your question is that I didn't wait two years or I didn't wait this many years. I started talking to Dave about this three years ago. It just was so many things going on. Um, I don't think it's too late. I think it's too, I think it's early. I think Amazon's just starting to show what they're going to do. I think uh, worldwide, I mean, 56% of our audience is worldwide. I think those guys are just waking up to it. But the truth really is, I'm, I know how to do Amazon, but it's not my main focus. I'm a digital publisher at heart. That's who I am. Um, that's what, that's what I love to do. I love to teach. And so I wasn't going to be the guy who filmed an Amazon course. I didn't have the credibility. And honestly, there was only maybe two or three people that I felt like I could even work with. Dave is one of my favorite people in the world. He is one of the kindest, nicest, awesomest people you'll ever meet. And we were just waiting for the right time where our timelines would collide. And they happened to collide a few months ago where we started working on this epic program together. So yeah, if you go to learn.com, L-U-R-N.com, there's actually a free Amazon bootcamp in there. It's a free course. It's absolutely free. No credit cards, nothing. It's just, you know, teaching Dave's style. And then there is a, there is a paid course as well. You can choose to upgrade if you want or not, but, um, Oh, I don't think it's man. And by the way, guys, but in both of those, uh, helium 10 is featured. So Absolutely. Well, helium 10 is, is a core fundamental of what Dave uses to find products. Uh, listen, when you say, you know, Amazon, when people say Amazon might be too late, uh, Dave sat in front of me here at the learn center and I gave him a challenge. I thought he would push back. I was like, Hey Dave, one of the bonuses for the product we, we do, I want to like give away 50 product choices and I want to refresh it like every month or whatever. So that students have a kind of a starting point. And he's like, okay. I'm like, really? 50. He's like, yeah. I'm like, when can you have it by? He's like, I don't know, four or five hours. I'm like what? And that guy goes and sits in the corner, of course, logs into Helium 10 and starts going away at things, comes back four hours later. I'm like, you found 50. He's like, actually, I found 56. I pulled six out for myself. And I'm like, good <laughs> Lord, how can someone say it's too late? If you could still find 50 opportunities in four hours that, and six that were so good. He's like, I ain't giving these up. Yeah. So it was, it was, it's not too late, but you know, we still have so many topics that we need to cover, man. We're trying to build a behemoth that would have every topic that an entrepreneur could ever hope or wish for covered inside of learn.com. It's going to take us years and we'll be doing this 10 years from now and I'll still be loving it. Love it. All right. So we mentioned learn.com, L-U-R-N.com. Also you drop knowledge through other means. Can you tell us about the the book that you wrote last year, as well as your podcast so our our listeners can yeah, thank in. you. Um, I wrote a book called Escape, The Four Stages to Becoming a Successful Entrepreneur. Very proud to have had Damon John from Shark Tank write the forward to it. He loved it. We've sold, I don't know, 50,000 copies at this point. It's done super well. It really just gets into the mindset. It gets into the, it, it truly gets into the mind of an entrepreneur, how to be, 
think of it this way. It's the think and grow rich of an entrepreneur. And I love it's, it's available for free. You can go just pay shipping. It's at escapebook.com. E S C A P E B O O K.com. Uh, you can check it out on Amazon. It's got, I think close to 400 five-star reviews. People love it. So I've been very blessed with that. Um, my latest and my greatest true passion as of last few months where we were really, really, really devoting a lot of time and attention is our podcast. So you can go to iTunes and, and go type in the fighting entrepreneur. So fighting as in like, you know, fighting and then entrepreneur. You can also go to onikpodcast.com. That's A-N-I-K podcast.com. See it there. I mean, we're rolling out awesome, awesome episodes. I can truly tell you. I So the, the mantra of that podcast is I only interview people that I can learn from. So you can imagine I've been doing this for 15 years. So if someone's got nuggets that they can teach me, you're going to, you know, most people will find it absolutely mind blowing. It's been growing like leaps and bounds and love doing it. So we'd love to see you at, you know, get the book at escapebook.com, get your membership at learn.com, L-U-R-N.com for free, and then hop on over and join us at the Fighting Entrepreneur Podcast. Anik, thank you so much for giving us your time. You've definitely dropped so much knowledge on us and even myself. If I had those standards as you for your podcast, you still would have definitely been one of my guests because I learned a ton from you. So I appreciate you coming on here and, and hope one day in the future, we'll have you back again. 